This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, folks welcome once again to cinema degeneration this is the creature feature dinner theater as a regular series of shows we are only uh, on episode two thus far but i will be your co-host i am cameron scott and this is my co-host my lovely wife patricia scott hello everybody now we haven't done this for a little while our first uh, episode was the uh, illustrious uh, brain damage. We're going with something a little bit different with our creature feature this evening. Uh, We're doing the 2017 Attack of the Killer Donuts. Yes, you heard that right. Attack of the Killer Donuts. Uh, directed by Scott Wheeler from Restless Nomad Films. Uh, <laughs> happened upon this one on uh, Amazon Prime, but it is now on uh, Tubi TV as well. Well, for those of you that want to follow along in the home game, uh, you can uh, watch along as we review it. It's uh, a fun romp of a film. I think it's more of a horror comedy than our, our previous effort here with brain damage, but it still counts as a creature feature. I, I think, what do you think, honey? <laughs> you know, we had a long discussion about this the other night about what we considered creature features or not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, falls into the realm of things that are not human attacking things that are human. And so I guess in that realm, we can definitely call it a creature feature. Yeah, because let's face it, donuts are not creatures. But in this movie, they, of course, are. It's just kind of like 
this is a is a good uh, pairing of a film with uh, like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, you know, and then not in uh, sorry, inanimate objects being brought to life one way or another to kill us uh, unsuspecting human folk. And spoiler but, alert: people have teeth, so I guess that counts too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They these creatures are kind of. I mean, we we can jump around a little bit here. We're jumping ahead, but. These killer donuts, they have teeth, they uh, spit their custard filling in their jelly filling as, like, acid, kind of like the aliens and, you know, the Ridley Scott's Alien and the subsequent sequels. So they have concentrated acid for, not blood, but, like, uh, their jelly filling (laughs) or their cream filling or whatnot. But I I, I think it's kind of ingenious uh, what they did here with you know, the aspect of creating killer donuts. Yeah, I like the tagline for the film, which was, we've eaten them for years, now it's their turn. <laughs> yeah, you you, you got to know by, like, the cover, and let alone, you know, the title, what kind of a movie you're in for. And it delivers. It, it delivers on everything that you could possibly imagine. It's got laughs, it's got thrills, it's got, it's got blood, it's got animate. Made of donuts, uh, CGI donuts, uh, green screen donuts, uh, puppeteer donuts, and just plain donuts that I think, you know, people should have had uh, T-shirts on. Like you said the other night when we were watching this, they should have had official, like, like the official chicken thrower shirts they have for Spangoolie. They, if they didn't have official donut chucker T-shirts made up for the cast members who are just obviously throwing <laughs> fucking donuts from off camera. Yeah, but let's go ahead and get, get off into the the beginning of this movie. Uh, it, it starts off, you know, kind of blasé. We got our main character uh, Johnny, played by Justin Ray, is the actor who play. He's kind of our resident Dante uh, from Clerks. He's kind of a aimless fellow working at a donut shop. You know, he's kind of. Uh, a lame duck, so to speak. You know, he's he's the unsuspecting hero. But he, <laughs> I, I think the first thing we need to mention about him is his relationship with his mother. Uh, yeah. Played by uh, the mother, which is Emma Wentworth, Johnny Wentworth's mom, played by Cassandra Voyage Voyages Voyages. I'm massacring names as usual, but she's maybe four to five years older than him. You know, at, at the, yeah, if that, you know, that like if, if they went to high school together, you know, she'd have been a senior when he was a freshman. <laughs> the, the age gap there is uh, leads something to be questioned, you know, but it, when you're watching a movie like with, with a title like Attack of the Killer Donuts, you have to kind of just take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, there was a really creepy dynamic between the two of them, um, not only just because they seemed awfully close in age. But he provided her just some really weird compliments that, for me, uh, hearing somebody say, like, you're the most beautiful mother in all of Shady Grove is just kind of a weird way to greet your mom early in the morning. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately his end game was, hey, I need to get some money from you and I'm just trying to butter you up. But it came across as much more creepy than I think he needed to be. Yeah, I kind of felt like they had a very uh, Norman Bates kind of relationship, you know, with his mother. It it was just it wouldn't it wouldn't have surprised surprised me if there was more going on there. But you know, 
We won't get into that because, uh, well, Howard gets into that later. <laughs> uh, still so, so, so creepy, but you know, it, 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 this is a creepy horror movie, you know, it's a horror comedy, but it, it, it works. Like I said, you just yep. have to accept your suspension of disbelief with this one. I think the other kind of weird thing to mention early on was in the kitchen of this house, they have a pet bunny that's in a cage, but he's never alluded to. There's no reason that the bunny's there. There's no plot point where they talk about a bunny or that the bunny comes about. Um, it, it just felt like a weird addition to this movie. Yeah, because, you know, I know people have various kinds of pets, cats, dogs, birds, fish, but I don't know many people that keep uh, a big rabbit cage, you know, in in the middle of their kitchen, like slammed right up against their uh, kitchen table, you know, especially when we get into uh, uh, Uncle Luther, who is down in the basement, you know, being kind of mad scientist-y and, and whatnot, you know, curating some... Uh, reanimator type juice you know <laughs> which is the note i made he's very herbert west but you would have you would have thought that like maybe this uh bunny would figure into the experiment somehow but no it never does but it is a weird discussion point but i'm glad you touched on that because i thought the same thing i was like what the hell who keeps a you know a b big rabbit cage where you can you know get a good whiff of good rabbit shit while you're trying to eat your bacon and eggs you know it just didn't make sense, but they never really expand upon that. Uh, maybe in a sequel, who knows? But then we, we, you know, we have to talk about Uncle Luther, who's played by Michael Swan, who uh, was the last time I remember seeing him. I, I recognized him right off the bat, but I hadn't seen him in anything else. He was the police officer in Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives, that gets his uh, head squashed by good old Jason Voorhees. So it was good to see him in something different, but this was a weird, weird kind of role for old Michael Swan, I think. And I don't want to spoil it yet, but we'll get there. Um, but that's not the only Friday the 13th reference that we'll have coming in this movie. Oh, you might've noticed something that I didn't or something that I didn't know. I didn't notice one other little thing, but you know, we'll get into that. There, there are, a bunch of other movie references. There's a, a Ferris Bueller reference. There's a, a Breakfast Club kind of reference and many Kevin Smith type references. This is the kind of movie that I would imagine if Kevin Smith had started out doing low budget B horror flicks, this is the kind of movie he would have made. Like this movie does have a very much uh, clerks type vibe. Yeah, I definitely, particularly once we get into the donut shop, um, you know, there's a very strong clerk's feel to the movie. But yeah, so, but before we get to the donuts, I, I think we need to touch a little bit more on, on Uncle Luther and his experiments here, because um, that's going to be kind of the main plot of where this this is driving. Um, so we have, have Uncle Luther, again, very strong reanimator vibes of him having the serum that he's injecting into these rats this rat just goes just batshit crazy on him and just starts biting him. And he has this really epic, almost like evil dead with Ash battling his hand kind of battle with this fake rat. <laughs> and yeah. He ends up calling the rat a bitch in this epic fight and, um, you know, telling my guess the mouse was originally named Mickey, um, who he said, hey, you're not allowed to eat Minnie, the other 
mouse that was in the, the cage. <laughs> um, and we see that he ends up getting bit on the shoulder through all of this, too, as the rat escapes. And I do love his... His one line where he says, don't worry, this won't hurt a bit because you're already dead. If you weren't, it hurt like a motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there is a very much kind of Ash versus his own hand kind of vibe as they're in this, you know, this basement of this place looks like the, you know, the cellar of the Evil Dead cabin, even though they're in the middle of suburbia in this like very suburbanite kind of house. You know, this is a great location. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can't eat many, you know, so you, you get the idea that his name was was Mickey. <laughs> but uh, now we're getting towards the, the area of the film where we get to the donut shop, which I just had in quotes here, Dandy Donuts, Dandy fucking Donuts. Uh, <laughs> what a name <laughs> for a place. You know, it's definitely a play off of Dunkin' Donuts because, you know, the DD kind of thing. But th- this place had to have been hemorrhaging money because throughout the film they're giving, you know, they're selling one donut, but giving away a dozen for free. You know, they're giving away donuts to the cops that show up in coffee for free. The people who show up to the only person who actually shows up to actually like buy a donut is trying to get one in trade. You know, (laughs) it's just, this place had to have been hemorrhaging money. I don't know how they would have ever kept open, but, well, and it's funny because the the two clerks make a, a joke about how the business owner is just so tight with his money. Well, yeah, when you've got the clerks giving away dozens of donuts for free, it's no wonder he's trying to pinch every penny that he can beyond that. And the other clerk uh, is uh, Michelle. <clears throat> and Michelle is played by uh, Kayla Compton. And she's really good. She's a good uh, flip side of the coin to Johnny. You know, they're best friends. They're kind of like almost like brother and sister. And let's talk about before we get to that. Let's talk about the brother and sister uh, team. Uh, Burt Rutherford plays Brian Kester, Michelle's brother. And they, you know, he's driving her to work and they kind of have a, a thing going where she repairs laptops and computers for him. But he takes all the credit and takes all the money. You know, he's just a, a lazy bastard who just drives her to work once a day, most of the time getting her there late. So they have that wonderful scene where they're arguing back and forth. And she's just like, OK, well, I'll let you fix them. Well, I can't. She's like, well, then obviously you need me. You need to start paying me. You know, it it, it was a shame that his character was only relegated to that one scene because he was an asshole. But I loved him. You know, he was a great character. But. Yeah, just a neat little dynamic. I'm sorry? I just said I was expecting to see him pop back up again, but he never did. Yeah, I expected him to at least pop up later in the movie to, like, you know, quote-unquote, pick her up from work, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, he never did. I would have liked to have seen him, like, at least die horribly, you know, to, you know, custard-filled Long John eating his jugular out or something. (laughs) But, you know... The, the Johnny character, Justin Ray and M- Michelle, have a very weird relationship. Not really weird, but, like, she's obviously into him. He's into this girl named Veronica that he's always, like, 
he's always borrowing money from his mom. That's the first thing. And, she, you know, she's like, when am I going to get to meet this girl? Like, well, she doesn't like public displays of affection. And there is a scene later on once they get to Dandy Donuts where uh, Johnny and Michelle are taking trash out. And she pulls up in a, like, mid-80s, like, IROC Z Camaro that's being driven by her friend who's like a kind of a surfer dude wearing an ankle bracelet who's continuously calling her babe. It's obvious that, that they're a couple and she's using Johnny for money. And she, you know, Johnny is into her big time, but he's just like blinded, you know, he, he has, uh, he's blinded by love. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's blinded by something. <laughs> he's blinded by the pursuit of it, I think, you know, but he's very much, uh, the cuck in that kind of situation, you know, it, I'm, the yeah. note I made here is that Veronica is obviously not the better choice for Johnny. It's Michelle, you know, she's obviously the better choice. She treats him better, but he's just, yeah, blinded by love. The minute she shows up with her, I'm sorry. Again, very clerks like, yeah, yeah. Like very clerks like, but that, you know, relationship, but, you know, when the minute she shows up with her boy toy in the Camaro, it's totally obvious what's going on. But then, you know, they have an, an exchange there. You know, the two girls obviously do not like each other. And I was kind of hoping to see them face off. Not so much like in a cat fight, but I was, like, hoping to see, like, Michelle just, like, lay her out with a punch or something and put her down to profess her love for Johnny. But we never quite get that. Though we do get a fitting end to Veronica's character uh, later on. We'll get into that in a little bit. But this is where we get uh, uh, Mrs. Scaleri uh, comes into the shop. And Allison England plays Mrs. Scaleri. She's just a, a, a normal, well, not normal, because there are no normal characters in this movie uh, <laughs> customer, but she's having a cheat day. You know, she's on a diet, but she's having a cheat day. She's picking out a donut. And then again, you know, Instead of giving her the one donut she paid for, they give her a dozen donuts. Like, again, like, no wonder, uh, you know, uh, Cliff Burbank, played by Chris DeChristopher, which is a weird name, Chris DeChristopher. But this, uh, what a hard name that must have been you know, growing up with. But Mr. Burbank, Cliff, is the owner and proprietor of Dandy Fucking Donuts. Uh, you know, God, he's a, a scumbag of the of the highest order with the worst comb over slash hairpiece that I've ever seen. Two votes, yeah, that's a bad hairpiece. Yeah, it's like it's it, it just looks like a really really bad comb over, and then like when you're first watching the movie, until there's like a little fight scene where he gets his hairpiece pulled off, you don't really realize that it's, you know, at least I didn't realize that it was a hairpiece. I was just like, oh, it's just a shitty comb over. Like, nope, it was just a shitty uh, hairpiece disguised as a comb over. Well, and so to go back to that, what what causes the altercation is the the crazy scientist uncle comes in. um, Because when we had first seen the uncle in the lab, um, the, the nephew then comes in and takes back his tablet slash computer slash it kind of changes depending on what's most convenient for them to talk about at that time. And so then he, the uncle then needs to come back to the donut shop to pick up the tablet slash computer so he can then work and continue on with these experiments. Um, But unfortunately we can see that the uncle and the boss have obviously had these huge disagreements and brawling fights long before where the movie picks up. And have a long history of just going at. 
yeah, they have a history. We never get quite into what the history is, whether they were, you know, what they had fought over. But yeah, they don't like each other, and it's obvious from the get go. They have a very comical fight, and it's during this comical fight that uh, Uncle Luther pulls off Cliss' uh, hairpiece in the middle of the fight. But also the syringe with this uh, serum that he has goes flying out of his pocket and into the fryer grease, and. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And thus now we know where we're getting our killer fucking donuts from, you, you know, but like nobody noticed this green sludge that, that went flying out of his pocket. And, it, you know, it would have had the sail right past them to get through, you know, right, right. You know, um, but, but, you know, once again, with a movie with a title like Attack of the Killer Donuts, you have to suspend your disbelief, not just a little bit, but a lot of bit. I think one of my, my favorite lines um, comes in during this fight, too, where the uncle is is fighting with the boss, and the uncle says, unhand me, you ruffian. Um, <laughs> ruffian is an underused word. Right, ruffian. It's just like kerfuffle, you know? It's this kind of a word that just doesn't get used as much anymore, and it's a shame. Yeah. The, the other thing that I wanted to point out as being just really gross was, so you'd mentioned the boss's toupee and just how awful it was. Um, to kind of speak to also just how cheap he was, he goes to the cooler to pull out a drink after this fight because, you know, the 30 seconds of fighting has just exhausted this man and pulls out a drink, <laughs> takes a sip of it, and then put the puts the drink back into the cooler, um, obviously to try and sell to somebody else which is just one of those, like, uh, moments. And that was what I considered to be kind of like the second kind of Friday the 13th moment, you know, not wink and nod, because it reminded me of the store owner in part three at the beginning, uh, that's taking the sip of orange juice and take eating a handful of peanuts, you know, and putting the shit back on the shelf. And he does, at one point, take a donut out of a box eats it and puts it back the half eaten donut back into the box. So I kind of think that, that these people were very much influenced by the Friday the 13th films. Yes. But we got a, a, a actually a third Friday the 13th reference, but we'll get in that much later. It comes in much, much later towards the end of the film. Now we get, uh, the introduction of our bumbling cops, officer Hammerstein played by Frederick Burns and Officer Rogers, played by the great C. Thomas Howell, who had a great career throughout the 80s and 90s. He's still a very prolific actor and works quite a bit. But his, his star has fallen a, a little bit, but he has some great comedic timing. He's he's really fun. He's the the comedic one of the two cops. The Officer yeah. Hammerstein is kind of the, the straight man, and, he, and Officer Rogers is very much the comedic relief. Because he's, you know... There's a lot of fart jokes in here. It plays off very much like a trauma film that wasn't released by trauma. You know, there's a lot of fart gags, a lot of, you know, cops, you know, playing off the angle of the, hey, it's free donuts. You don't want some donuts? And they're eating these nasty friggin' donuts and drinking this sludge of coffee that they admit they don't even like, but it keeps them regular. So, but, you know, (laughs) they have a perp, Tom the Perp. That's the only thing he's known as, played by Vince Royale. Uh, who, who's also got some great comedic timing. They just leave him in the back of the car, you know, for him to try to jimmy his way out of his handcuffs just to go in and get their free... Do- Again, 
a dozen free donuts and two free coffees. I don't think anybody really besides Mrs. Scolari ever pays for a donut. I mean, maybe I'm missing something here, but does anybody besides Mrs. Scolari actually pay for a donut in this place? Not that we see. Yeah. Yeah. So no wonder, even though Cliff is a piece of shit, and no wonder he was so tight with his money. (laughs) To to try and go back, because I didn't have a good place to interrupt you there. Um, (laughs) You were on quite a roll there. So to back up a couple people, um, one of my favorite things in these movies is to look at some of the the undernamed people. And so you had mentioned um, the officers' names, which I wanted to just point out were Rogers and Hammerstein for any of our musical types of folks. recognize that that's a duo that typically goes together as well yes yes uh, they are musicians i was i had a note of that but i i skipped over it i was on a little bit of a roll but we also got we got homeless jack played by sean smith who's a character who's pretty much sitting in the restaurant or in the donut shop the entire time and kind of comes and goes as he pleases again never see him pay for a donut or anything or any of the coffee that he's drinking you know uh then we get uh, Mr. Flanagan, who, you know, I think the name Flanagan also plays into Walt Flanagan from the Clerks movies and the Kevin Smith world. So there's this movie is heavily influenced by Friday the 13th and Kevin Smith films, which is really a kind of a weird duo. But it, in this occasion, it, it really kind of works. It works well, yeah. But, but I have to say about Rogers and Hammerstein, they are the worst cops in the game. They're inept as all hell, and they, you know, they're they're just inept. They're just bumbling cops. It's like watching a live action uh, or, or a reboot of like uh, Abbott and Costello. See, I had a very different take on them. I don't think they were trying to be uh, as bumbly. I think they were. One of them was just a bad cop. Um, he was just trying to get all the freebies that he could. He knew. Being a police officer, he's going into this donut shop and they're going to give him free donuts because he's a cop and they don't want to have them being fucked with. And then as we see, there's all kinds of other bad things that these cops do. And it's mostly just the other cops trying to cover it up to make sure that they're not going to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Roger, Rogers is kind of the guy, or uh, Hammerstein, uh, I mean, is the guy that, who is always kind of not so much covering up for Rogers. But like playing along, like Rogers wants to give the perp in the back seat a donut. And he's like, "What's the matter? He can't have a donut." And he's like, "No, I don't want crumbs in my car." And he does like he's always kind of egging him on, you know. But push the yeah, yeah. Hammerstein, I guess, is what you would consider an accomplice, <laughs> you know, to to Officer Rogers. But C. Thomas Howell and Frederick Burns as these two characters, they play off very well off each other. And I think it also uh, bears mentioning that Krista Christopher, who plays Cliff Burbank, was one of the three writers on the film as well. I didn't make a note of the other two uh, writers. Or uh, wait, uh, I got my IMDb open, so I will open that up. Is written by Nathan Dalton, Krista Christopher, and Rafael Diaz Wagner. Very good. You're on it. You're on it tonight, honey. I am. Every once in a while, when I can find space to talk, I'm all about it. <laughs> I ramble. I ramble. Sometimes you just got to interrupt me and tell me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and then you just keep talking, and then I have to. Then you go, "What?" Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I think all my other co-hosts would probably agree with you. 
Yeah, but, so uh, we see we see that the um they give the donut to the perp. Um, we see that it also has that green kind of radioactivity or sludge slime reanimator juice um, baked into it. Um, and we hear the perp go, man, and we think that acid's starting to kick in. So we know <laughs> these donuts are going to have some effect. We just don't know what exactly that effect is going to be yet. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, it has some adverse effects on him uh, in his uh, <laughs> abdominal regions. <laughs> Yes. No, like I think you know the the way I described this film earlier is a trauma movie that wasn't released by trauma is probably the best way to describe it with all the the poop poop humor and fart jokes and just uh, bodily ejections and whatnot that this movie has. It's very trauma esque. Yes, very much so. And I think we even see that a little bit of that with the next scene with our um, very seductive dieter who's coming back into play now so this woman who came in for a donut and now was given a dozen donuts is now in her home at night with the lights turned down low she's in like this red lingerie and she is dancing her little heart out for these donuts yeah it's you know and she's like in her negligee this sheer red nighty and she's giving the donuts their own striptease you know, I, I, that's what I had strip to tease for her donuts with an yeah, she, animatronic she, cat that's watching at the same time. She, she takes cheat day to a whole new level right there. <laughs> right. You know, and the fact that, you know, she's not a crazy cat lady, but she does have a cat that's not a real cat. It's just an animatronic white cat that's sitting on the couch watching her that just kind of tilts his head and meows every once in a while. But so <laughs> I had to. In this movie, we have a real bunny that's in the background that's not used, and then a fake cat, which we see very important. So I don't know what kind of animal budget they had, but it did not go the way they planned. I, I think who whoever's house they were using that substituted as Johnny's Johnny and his mom's house just happened to have a you know a rabbit cage in the kitchen, and they're just like, "Fuck it, we're not moving it. We're going with it." <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We get our first real shot of the donuts, you know, of the donuts being evil and animated because, you know, when she's, you know, she's getting ready to chow into her first donut. And then you, you know, you see that these donuts have, uh, you know, teeth and they're very, you know, they're very animated. They're, it's actually very well done effects work. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I mean, it's got a very um, uh, asylum, you know, from sci-fi channel kind of vibe to them. But, you know, for a low budget, you know, film made in 2016 where CGI was still, you know, kind of, you know, people were using schloads of bad CGI. This movie has, you know, it, it plays off well with having, you know, real donuts being thrown around puppeteer donuts with the teeth and kind of gnawing into people's faces. And then you got your CGI donuts that are, you know, jumping around it. And they kind of have a very comical boing, 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 boing kind of mode to them and all. It, it, it plays off very well. It's all very silly, but we do get our first death at the hand of the donuts where uh, Mrs. Scaleri, now done with her strip tease, 
you know, for all intents and purposes, their striptease is over with, and she becomes the first time uh, that donuts eat us. Yes, the donut just attacks her face. She goes in for the bite, and the donuts just attack her, jump right out of the box, and then jump all around the room. Yeah, I mean, the, the, when they just all start, like, piling on top of her and start chewing into her, it's it's, it's very much a t- toss your popcorn in the air and laugh. Until you're slapping your knee, got kind a of moment. It you know it's it's a little gruesome, but it's a whole lot funny, you know. Yes, yes. But the next scene, though, we get we finally see what's happening to Tom the perp. You know, Tom the perp is in the back seat, uh, getting very gassy, and he's admitting that kind of green, noxious cloud of gas, and he's begging to be let let out of the the back of the car, and Rogers and Hammerstein are not letting him out. But so he uh, snaps, it makes him almost kind of superhuman. So you think we're going to get like, you know, superhuman donut zombie dude. But, <laughs> he, you know, he snaps his cuffs, bonks both their head together like, you know, a Three Stooges skit. You even get the, you know, kind of sound effect. And, you know, he drop kicks the cop door right off its hinges and starts vomiting the green goo everywhere. So we haven't seen the last of him, but it's definitely having its adverse effects on old uh, well, Tom the Perp. And one of the questions I have is, so when they originally go to the donut shop, it is bright, it's sunny, it's during the middle of the day. Then we see these next shots where it's dark and they still have this perp in the back of their car. Like, what the hell are they doing just driving around all day with this fucking guy in the back of their car? Like, they aren't doing shit. Yeah, no, no, they're just tooling around town, probably getting free donuts and coffee from uh, more reputable sources than dandy donuts, you know. (laughs) But it does, like, flip back and forth, you know, from daylight to nighttime. It does what I call uh, the Ed Wood effect, where one shot to the next is daylight, and then it's nighttime. Then it's daylight, and then it's nighttime again. But, you know, gotta love it. It's a silly movie, you know. Everything that's, you know, it's very well shot, though. You know, it doesn't feel very cheap for as cheap as it is. You know, so all that was done deliberately. I'm, I'd be willing to bet my last paycheck on it. Oh yeah, yeah. But again, I think it just speaks to how inept and how awful these cops are. Well, I think you know uh, we got uh, the next scene. We kind of touched a little bit, or at least I did. I jumped ahead, touching on uh, Flanagan, the the hippie guy who comes in with these newfangled donuts that he wants to make that are vegan and made with no sugar and free. They're free range and whatnot. You know, he's very much a very uh, greasy, dirty, unkept hippie kind of guy. That you kind of get the idea that like everybody has a problem with Cliff. Well, you really don't even know what Flanagan's original problem was with him or what even uh, Uncle Luther's problem was with Cliff, but everybody hates him just because I think basically he's just a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. You know, but (laughs) when he, he, uh, but Cliff makes him a donut, makes Flanagan a donut, which is really just a regular sugar glazed, you know, donut that's just regular and he won't eat he won't eat it but he keeps calling it the douche nut so he's like flanagan won't eat it he said he's going to take it home and eat it later he's like can you wrap up his douche nut to go i just kind of i just love the the reference to him being a douche nut and i i also appreciated when he was holding it he's just like i can feel it tingling all over my body (laughs) 
yeah, he, he uh, people in this movie get very, uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Aroused when it comes to their donuts. <laughs> because yeah, like God knows what they're putting in the donuts. Yeah, they're putting some aphrodisiacs in those donuts. Something something's getting them all hot and bothered. Mm-hmm. But speaking of hot and bothered, we get our introduction of a character that we haven't seen at I think until this point, which is Howard, another young fella that is uh friends with uh Johnny who shows up at uh, Johnny's front door. Now it's nighttime again. <laughs> and he yeah. shows up on his little, like, motor scooter. And he's very much a nerdy type, you know. He's got the, the horn-rimmed kind of glasses and whatnot. But he shows up at Johnny's doorstep to uh, have a little rendezvous with Johnny's mom on the side, you know. And at this point, we don't really know that, like, Howard who Howard is or what his relationship is to Johnny. You just think he's a, a kid showing up at, you know, again, a kid that's only like four or five years younger than Johnny's mom, you know, uh, but he shows up and he's like, Oh, you're here for my bacon, mac and cheese. And she's presenting this bowl of mac and cheese with a stick of bacon coming out of it. I got a feeling that, you know, even though they don't show what goes on behind the closed door, you know he's there for a sexual rendezvous. It's just, It has nothing to do with mac and cheese. Oh, no, no, no. He's eating something, but it's not the mac and cheese. Oh, hey oh. But yeah, I think with the next scene, I mean, we, we get another clip with uh, Flanagan and Cliff, you know, kind of going through their donuts. Uh, Schwarwit raid of, of uh, you know, you eat my donut. No, you're going to eat my donut. And then we get some of the laziest, uh, like, I, I don't know how this place survived or how we're supposed to believe that Dandy Donut survived. Because, you know, it's shot in a real location. It's a, being a professional cook myself. I mean, I recognize a real kitchen and not a, just a prop or a set. You know, it obviously was a real restaurant, or at least at one. I mean, you know, it might have been closed down, but these people are the laziest donut makers in the world. They're just kind of lazily kneading dough and putting donuts into fryers that are only half submerged in grease and obviously are not on. Oh yeah. I, I just, I, 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 I say they got questionable uh, donut making skills, which might be the reason why there's only like four customers in the entire joint. Yeah. The reason they're not making any money on their donuts. Yeah. You know, and, and Johnny and Michelle are always complaining that they're not getting paid very well. Well, they're getting paid for about as hard as they work, you know, and which is not very hard at all. So they're being paid weekly, very fucking weekly. <laughs> so what's the next scene we want to talk about? Should, should we talk about uh, the next time or should I say the next and the final time that we see uh, Flanagan? Yeah, I think we need to talk about once he finally experiences the donut and he decides to take a bite into it. Well, you know, when next time we see him, he's carrying this mirrored tray with a scented lit candle, a container of uh, either soap or gel or lotion, and the donut. And so he does go to take a bite of it. He much like, you know, uh, you know, our, uh, perp, perp, you know, Tom, the perp, he takes a bite of it and he's like, Oh, it tastes like dog poop. And he starts spitting it out. He rushes into his, uh, you know, his stand up shower and, uh, <laughs> he, he just wants to cleanse himself and wash himself. But the donut, you know, 
<laughs> just start sprouting teeth and um this is the first know. time we hear the donuts talk too so they're not using yes. words but they have like this little um almost like a, a beaker from the muppets kind of meep 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 kind of yes. talking to be able to communicate with each other yeah yeah they kind of have like a, a very much a beaker from the muppets and this donut that he has looks more like a big ass giant bagel than a donut, to be honest. But the the death scene, you know, I mean, it bites into his neck and starts tearing him up, and we get like the the blood circling down the shower drain and the bloody hand going down the shower curtain. It's very much a uh, a wink and a nod to the psycho uh, shower scene with Janet Lee. Oh yeah, I mean that, that that's easily called to mind when uh, you see that hand pop up. But yeah, there's really, you know, uh, the only thing that's missing is is the music. Is that, you know, that kind of re, 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 re. It's really only missing that. Absolutely. But then, yeah, what's the, what's the next scene we want to talk about? The next part. It's the, well, I think. I think... Go to the, the next shot is then the, the killer donuts that decide to start attacking the cop car. <laughs> Yes, because our cops are still knocked out from him and their heads bonked together like Curly and Moe. Uh, they start... Yeah, so they, okay. I was just going to say, so yeah, so they both wake up in the cop car um, and they see that the perp is gone. They've got the back door of their cop car is off the hinges and laying along the side of the road. And that's kind of their oh shit moment. They realize uh, we need to do something about this. Again, uh, he's conjoling him to say, like, no, we don't need to call it in. We just need to hunt this guy down on our own. Um, where the other guy is trying to follow all the, the rules and guidelines and go by the book. But he ultimately kind of goes along with the plan and realizes, OK, let's just go see if we can hunt this guy down. And so then they start going to look to see if they can find that perp. Yeah, and this is where you start to find out that if you do eat and ingest the donut, you die horribly. And if you don't, well, you just die. You'll you'll die at the hands of the donut, but if you ingest it, you pretty much... Uh, this is where Johnny and uh, Michelle and, and Howard find the perp on the side of the road where he's shitting out his guts and vomiting green shit all over the place. You know, I, 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 I can't, it's very much, and I've said it already a couple of times, but it's very trauma-esque, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, oh. it's a trauma, it's very much a trauma film that just somehow didn't get released by trauma. But we did, I did skip ahead. We, I forgot about the, the scene with the, the three douchebags, the three alpha males that show up who instantly start asking Michelle to uh, show them her boobs and whatnot. And so she gets offended. They come across the counter. They fight with Johnny and whatnot, and she pepper sprays them. And this is the scene that actually yeah. pre- precedes to them finding, uh, you know, with getting out of there with Howard and finding the perpetrator in the street as they're driving around. But th- they all get fired. You know, they pretty much have a you're fired, I quit kind of moment because Cliff comes out, doesn't care that these guys came in and harassed Michelle, don't care that they physically assaulted two of his employees. He just cares that he, you know, that they pepper sprayed, you know, a couple of customers and he's worried about his reputation because, like, I I don't know why he's so worried about it because the man (laughs) obviously has a shit reputation to begin with. Yeah. 
Well, and then we have our, our homeless man who's in the store who is willing to write down his statement to try and help the two clerks, too. But that didn't do any good. Right, right. Yeah, he had his, like, statement written on a greasy napkin, but, like, it didn't matter. They just didn't, you know, Cliff didn't care. So it was kind of a moment where he's, like, he <clears throat> Cliff fires Michelle, and Johnny's going out, he's just going out with her, you know. He's, like, kind of one of those, you know, you can't fire me, I quit kind of moments, which yeah. I can identify with. I've had that at a job once or twice. Then it's, you know, it's it shows how much he really cares for Michelle in this moment, too, to show that, yeah, you know, I'm not going to let people just walk all over you and treat you that poorly, too. I'm going to stand by your side and to try and help fight for you through that progress. I was just going to say, if I can go back one other scene that you missed, because it has my favorite line in the entire movie in it. Um, here we also cut to a scene along the side of the road that has um, his girlfriend in it, Veronica, and Veronica's true boyfriend in the car. And they are just fucking like bunnies um, in the backseat. <laughs> um, and she had said, like, they were talking about just how much they love each other. And uh, she has says, you're the clam in my chowder. And I yep. just thought that was the best fucking line in this movie. Yep. Whoever you're... wrote that props to them. Right, yeah. Whichever one of the three writers that was responsible for that one. You're the clam in my chowder, baby. That's a <laughs> laugh out loud kind of moment. And it, it, it's a great line, but it also, you know it's got great comic delivery, you know, as we all know with comedy, it's all about the timing. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Uh, what do we get next? What's the next scene after they find, uh, Oh, uh, Mr. Tom, the purpose, he's kind of melting in the street. Uh, I do think it's funny. Like he falls over. They want to make sure he's dead. So Howard's like, I'm going to check his vitals. So he kicks him in the gut. All he gets is a him the the dead perp farts and he's just like yep he's dead yeah, but he's also, yeah. also obvious that he's still breathing because the guy was running around you know very animated and he's laying there his chest is just heaving up and down he, he does not play he plays a good comedic you know uh you know perp and whatnot but he does not play a dead guy very well <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i think next we have our the assholes who came into the store, not only did the clerks get fired, but they also, the boss also gave them a dozen donuts, you know, to try and help with his reputation there. And so now we see the bunch of assholes along the side of the road eating the donuts. Um, the donuts were not very pleased with this either and takes the hand off of one of the guys that goes in to reach for the donuts, um, which I thought was a pretty good, <laughs> a pretty good scene there of. Uh, just how brutal the donuts can be when you piss them off. Yeah, this is probably the the bloodiest scene. Two, the two bloodiest scenes uh, back to back, because you know we get I think right before it's either right before then I might be getting my timeline <clears throat> you know mixed up a little bit. It's either right before or right after this scene is the death of uh, Mr. Burbank Cliff. You know, where the donuts just line up side by side because he's also got some questionable uh, donut frying methods is of overloading these don't, you know, fryer baskets with donuts that are only submerged in about a quarter inch of grease. You know, 
<laughs> the, the worst there is a just as a cook myself that's the thing that bothered me the most about this movie like I, <laughs> I, I, st I still like the movie you know but it's just like as a cook I'm just like oh nobody's wearing gloves nobody's doing this they're not following proper procedures they don't even have the fryers turned on you know they don't even watch the donuts when they go in the fryers he just goes and does paperwork after he throws the donuts in like man yeah. those would be crispy yeah, and they're still, like, cooking, like, 30 minutes later when uh, Johnny, Michelle, and Howard end up back at the, uh, uh, at Dandy Donuts. They're still in there, and they're not, they're not, like, they're, they don't look any different, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the scene where the, the, the three, uh, you know, uh, thugs, I guess you would call them, you know, one, one of them eats the donut, so he starts, you know, puking out green stuff, he starts, green goo starts shooting out of his ass, <laughs> you know, and, and the one guy gets his arm bitten off, and the next guy gets his face bitten off, is a two very, you know, gruesome death scenes back to back, but they're very comical at the same time, so you get your chills and your thrills, like, kind of all rolled into one. And there's definitely, so the, the donuts are very cream-filled, too. And there, one of the guys definitely just got donut cum all over him. That's definitely yeah. what happened. Yeah, when, when the one uh, cream-filled donut shoots his cream-slash-jizz all over him and it starts dissolving his junk. Yes. <laughs> I will have to say one thing. They did get very creative with how the donuts could kill. It wasn't just donuts with teeth that just ate their victims. You know, they... You know, if you ate them, you died a certain way. They could, you know, gnaw your face off or bite off body parts, or they could shoot, you know, this acid cum jizz, <laughs> cream filling <laughs> raspberry gel stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, I appreciated that about it. You know, I think having the three different writers, I think probably, you know, one writer was probably very uh, centric on like, okay, how do these donuts kill? And being in charge of like the death scenes, at least that's how it felt to me. I, I would have... I would like to find out more like how that creative process went about with the three different writers. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, then, so then after we, after we run across the, the assholes, we see that um, the, the guy, his Michelle and his friend are now in the car and they um, run into Veronica and Veronica's car with the boyfriend. Um, and this was a really harsh scene. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll let you, had, I'll let you take this one. <laughs> yeah. We, we had mentioned before that he really doesn't have a clue um, that. Uh, I was trying to remember his name, but I can't remember his name. What was his name? The main oh, guy. The, the main guy, Johnny, Johnny. Johnny, yeah. Um, so we we already talked about that Johnny really has no idea um, that his relationship is a farce with Veronica. And so um, he goes up and is trying to figure out what's going on. He's walking up to this car, which is obviously just like steam rolling out of it. The windows are all fogged out for as much as they've been fucking in it. Um, and he just has no idea of like, what's going on? I don't I don't get what's happening. Um, and yeah, what Veronica, are you doing in there with him? <laughs> what are you doing? What's happening? Um, it's obvious. They fuck. They, yeah, it, it's they clear. Um, and Veronica then has to pretty bluntly just say, listen, we were never together. I was just using you for money. I've been fucking this guy for months, and you really just need to leave us alone now. Um, 
and and poor Johnny is just devastated by this and she she doesn't know quite what to make of his reaction he is just kind of slowly kind of solemnly turning and walking away and she's expecting him to yell and he's just kind of going to sulk and lick his wounds um and she just decides "Ah, okay well that's over with i guess i can just get back into the car and we can move forward with our lives yeah yeah yeah, she's very, very harsh with them. It, 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 like if you know, there's one of the few heartfelt moments in the movie because you feel, you generally, at least I did, I generally felt for Johnny, even though he was, you know, kind of dense and a little bit of a fool. You know, it's <laughs> you just got to feel from him is like you know, with everything that he's dealing with in this shitty ass day, including losing his job. You know, he could, she could have put him down a little bit easier. You know, but she was, he was just. Uh, he was just her meal ticket. He was just some money, and that's all it was. Yep. And now, now he knows it. And this yep. is the moment where I kind of wish like Michelle would have stepped up and just like cold cocked Veronica. But yeah. you know, we don't get that. We get something a little bit, uh, or actually a whole lot of bit more satisfying than that later on. Because pretty much right after this point is when I, I believe when. Uh, Johnny, Michelle, and Howard, they run across in this town that seems to only have one main road running in and out of it. They run into, you know, Veronica and her boy toy, you know, necking at Lover's Lane. They drive further down the road and they happen across across the three, you know, douchebags that, you know, started all the trouble at Dandy Donuts in the first place. And they see the dead bodies and they really realize like, okay, these donuts are killing people. We need to get, you know, get out of here. Yeah, our and, first killer donut reference. Or what? Our first what? The first killer donuts reference. Yeah, it, it is the first time they actually refer to them as killer donuts, and they uh, decided since the one person they actually quote unquote made a profit from and sold a donut to, I wouldn't call it a making a profit, but they actually sold a donut to was Mrs. Scaleri, so they go to her house, and they got the nose, nosy neighbor. You always got it in a horror movie. You always got a nosy neighbor character, which I think was a character's name was Mr. Richards and his wife, Martha. And they're getting ready to have kind of like a, it's not really ever quite said, but you know, they're, they're getting ready to have a sex romp kind of night, but he's too busy to pay attention to his hot wife because he's peering out the window with some binoculars, you know, spying on Mrs. Scalari's house, why he was spying on her house in the first place, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe he was, uh, you know, expecting Mrs. Scalari to do another strip tease for her donuts, and that, that was his kink, you know. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, a very strong BDSM night that they're going to have there. Yeah, because there is a point uh, later on. Uh, I'll jump ahead a little bit, but when Martha comes back into the room, because now the donuts are everywhere. She's got a donut on each side of her head, and she looks very uh, Princess Leia. You know, with yeah. the buns on his side of her head. And he's like, and, you know, she falls down. And even though the donuts have eaten off her ears and into her brain, he, he's just like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you, woman? This isn't Star Wars night. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just like, I, oh. They are having a hell of a good time in that bedroom. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they had mood lighting going. They had silk negligee. He had his uh, flashy smoking robe on, you know, and they, they were getting ready to get down and dirty. And... Still, with everything going on, our two hapless cops, or I should say our one hapless cop and uh, and one associate that is just uh, an accomplice, you know, 
they're still going or still going around. They get a call that the the nosy neighbor had called in that, that the kids were you know breaking into Mrs. Scalari's home. But when really they're just trying to make sure she's all right, you know, they're obviously not breaking into it. But you know, without a nosy nosy neighbor character, you know, what kind of a horror movie would this be? And the the kids have some of the best. Uh, awful, awful fighting techniques to fend off from these donuts too. They're karate kicking at the donuts. They're swinging away. They're trying to like draw with fake guns, like an old Western style. They're using chairs like a lion tamer would use them in the circus. Um, It's just a fantastic, just over the top way for them to fight off these donuts in the house. Yeah. They have no fighting skill whatsoever. None. You know, yeah. like even later on when we have the big finale, you know, when they're getting their, you know, their weapons together, they just obviously none of them knew how to fight, and they were given no no direction on like how to, how to fight or at least how to movie fight. But it just makes it all that much more comical. Absolutely, because th- I mean, this is actually the first really really big scene we get with like multiple donuts at the same time. You know. You know, when they kind of lead up, we got the general donut leading up lines of soldier donuts that are hopping along behind them. And each donut is different. You know, you get a, a you know, you get a, a, a cinnamon twist donut. You're getting chocolate covered donuts. You're getting jelly filled donuts, but they all got teeth. So they, they're all going to yeah. attack you the same way. And this is also the point when it was very obvious that they had, uh, you know, donut chuckers off camera just throwing handfuls of donuts. I want to know what their donut budget was for this movie. I want to know like how many dozens of donuts they went through. So, so many. For that scene alone, it was just like they probably sent somebody down to Dunkin' Donuts or some local gas station. It was like, listen, we need four dozen donuts today and we'll be back for more tomorrow. Oh, at least that many, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, we got the nosy neighbor is now dead. He he's eaten up. His wife Martha is not is now gone. She she's eaten up. And now the cops finally show up as our hapless Johnny and Howard are trying to fight off the <laughs> the the donuts with, you know, frying pans and rolling pins and whatnot and you know, as they're getting all these donuts chucked at them, some of them are CGI'd, you know, and some of them are puppeteered. But that's why I said it was a good mix of kind of all three, uh, which I liked about it. But this happens to be like the one of the most what the fuck kind of moments of the movie, because Michelle goes up to the second floor, decides she's going to try to climb out the window just as the Rogers and Hammerstein show up. And she's hanging out this window and <laughs> they're, they're, they're like... You know, they're aiming the gun at, at, at their guns at her and they're, they're screaming for, her, you know, put your hands up, let, you know, come down from there. And she's like, obviously hanging out a window and can't do anything about it. You know, and even uh, Hammerstein says, you know, like, what do you think, you know, she can do? You know, she's hanging out the window. So she drops. She drops from the second floor. And the way she drops, she lands right on her feet and onto her back. And all I can think of, like, both her legs would have been broken. Her ankles would have been shattered. But all she gets is a sore back. Um, and in the meantime, while they're trying to wrestle with her, you've got this little line of bouncing donuts that run out to the cop car and then steal the goddamn cop car. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes, yes, because you got one working the gear shift. You got one working the uh, 
the steering wheel, one working the gas pedal. So while you know three our three heroes got their hands up in the air. And they're like, yes, yeah, it's these killer donuts. And they're trying to convince the cops of it. They go back into the house. As the cops go back in the house, that's when the donuts steal the fucking cop car. So now we got killer donuts driving a stolen cop car. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, you know, this movie, I won't say that it owes a lot to certain other films. But if it does owe anything to any certain films, it owes a lot to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Very much so. Yes. You know, it's just... Uh, it, it's just so wonderful, gleefully bad, <laughs> you know, and now our heroes, you know, are trying to, to decide what to do. And they real, you know, I don't know at this point they had realized that the cop car was stolen, but I think they're just like, we're just going to get the fuck out of here. They kind of have that momentary debate while the cops are inside the house now fighting the donuts and the cops don't really have any better fighting skills. You know, they have guns and whatnot and everything, but their fighting skills are not any better fighting these damn donuts. No, very much so. Yeah. And so now we, we realize that the um, Veronica and the boyfriend are now about to get their comeuppance from the donuts. Yes. Cause they're still fucking, they've been fucking for hours. Oh. Like e- either I'm thinking her boy toy just can't get off or they're just going at it over and over again and reloading. I don't, I don't know. But the cop car shows up on Lover's Lane, kill her her boyfriend right off the bat, and then they kind of cheat this scene a little bit because Veronica does this little happy dance around the car, around the Camaro, until she falls down behind the Camaro and, <laughs> you know... It just swarmed. 20, yeah, because by 20 dozen donuts to swarm her and blood splatters everywhere, and... Uh, it, it, it's it's very satisfying, you know. It's like I, you know, previously I was like, like ah, oh, I wasn't, you know, I wanted to see Michelle kind of give uh, Veronica her just due, but I think this was better, you know. This dying at the hands of the donuts was just I don't know, much more satisfying end for. Her. Agreed, agreed, yeah. The next scene is, uh, you know, uh, Uncle Phil, M- Michael Swan, uh, is creating an antidote. You know, because the the serum is some green stuff. The antidote obviously has to be a neutral color, so it's some pink stuff. So he, you know, has this rat that was just mutated and whatnot, and it kind of looked like uh, the the rat monkey from uh, Dead Alive. Peter Jackson's Dead Alive is, I think, it was another wink and nod to it. So he injects it with this pink stuff, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's red eyes you know, vanish and his fangs kind of shrink and everything. And it all of a sudden becomes very normal and is a very uh, convenient timing for Johnny and his friends to show up to kind of commiserate with, uh, you know, Uncle Luther and, you know, kind of let him know what's going on with the donuts. And they're going to have a moment where they're going to go back to Dandy Donuts, fight the, the, the cavalcade army of donuts with their limited amount of pink goo. But... Yes. But we don't know how it's going to work because if I remember right, uh, doesn't the rat end up like exploding in a big spray of pink goo that kind of looks like, you know, uh, KO pectate? Yes. So as opposed to just turning the rat back to normal, the rat explodes. So there is some question of, yeah, this might be an antidote for them, but what's going to happen when this is injected? Uh, so, yeah, they're 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 loading up and then we kind of get our two hapless cops who have stolen a kid's bicycle. <laughs> so now they don't have their cop car. You know, 
they're going back to the 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 chase down the our donut sling and uh, clerks, and this is a comical scene where they're dry, you know, Hammerstein is is or uh, Rogers is uh, you know piloting the bike while Hammerstein is riding, and they're just kind of falling around, and it's very comical. Like I said, it's very Abbott and Costello ish. Mm-hmm. But you know that we we get our montage sequence here when they you know the would you know Luther. Johnny, Michelle, and Howard all, you know, getting ready to go fight the the donuts back at Dandy Donuts. And they just so happened in this, like, VW bug. It's an old vintage VW bug that Johnny drives. So when he pops the hood to get into the, uh, or pops the trunk, more or less, this is where we get our, uh, our next Friday 13th reference. I'll let you take this one, babe. <laughs> yeah, so one of you know, this is kind of the big loading up scene um where they're pulling out all their different gear and their different weapons. And this is where we have an exact Friday the thirteenth part three replica hockey mask that's in the trunk along with it. Yep. And now they're gonna be fighting off the the I almost said zombies. They're gonna be fighting off the uh donuts with uh, a tennis racket, a super soaker filled with the pink serum and you know, that's pretty much, yeah, a lacrosse stick, and it's pretty much it. And you know, like, well, Uncle Luther has his syringe on, on the end of like a, a broom handle or whatnot. Like, I don't know how that was really supposed to work because he didn't have a way to work the plunger. I mean, it didn't see didn't seem very practical. It's kind of like uh, Seth Gecko's uh, jackhammer steak machine at the <laughs> end of From Dust Till Dawn. Like, it looks cool on camera, but it's not very practical. Yeah, yeah, very much so. This is where we get our massacre scene. This is pretty much the gist in the end of the film. It's just from here on out for the next 20 minutes, or 15 to 20 minutes, it's hundreds of donuts now. This is where they really went full-blown with the, the animation and the CGI, and they really exploded their donut budget. Because there's hundreds, hundreds of donuts on screen at any given time. Oh, from the scene, <coughs> the swirling around... Oh. From the ceiling, they're swirling around. They're, uh, it just is a, a tornado of donuts. And then you've got the donut chuckers, obviously, off screen that are just tossing more donuts into the chaos, too. And then poor old, uh, what's his name, Homeless Jack? Yes. He, pop, he pops in to try to kind of help and save the day. Now, not really so much save the day, it is just to help out. But you start to re- realize that um, Uncle Luther's serum is working, you know, but the fact that there's, you know, practically a thousand of these donuts they don't have enough to you know work so he's going to go back to the house and get more serum which we also know is not going to work there's just not enough serum to go around but uh yeah um we get like homeless jack is there he's fighting (laughs) he's fighting as horribly as everybody else he's just got himself a very uh plastic looking uh halloween store plastic survive Rambo survival knife that he's using the cops show up they're shooting the killer donuts but like Rogers right off the bat or uh, gets uh, some of the acid goo in the eye so he's like halfway blinded and you know they're gonna oh, it's go a, it's, a great, it's a great combination to see them just kind of flailing all together in that room right right to see everybody fighting horribly you know, that's like no nobody kind of turns into a John Wick of uh, the Killer Donut stage. They're just, they're just all very horribly fighting. 
Which oh, I, horribly. Because I think, you know, a bunch of hapless uh, donut store clerks, you know, how would they fight killer fucking donuts? Probably badly. So it's probably the most realistic part of the movie, the fact that they have no fighting skills. It almost is, in that way, is almost like an Evil Dead kind of reference of what are these store clerks going to do against this evil? Right. But then uh, we get uh, Johnny and Michelle hole up in the back, so we get a little bit of reprieve from the action. They they shut the door to the back store room, and they're, Johnny's kind of having a breakdown of what to do. You know, and he's having a breakdown about his hapless life, his b- bad situation with his mom, his horrible relationship with Veronica. And, and Michelle is just kind of there like, I'm here, like, hello, you know, <laughs> but. Well, and the, this is, has one of my favorite lines too, of if we ever get out of this, I'm a therapist dream. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if the if, if killer donuts were a thing, uh, yourself as a therapist would have no problem fucking uh, having, you know, loads of work you know, on their hands with people like this. You, you'd you have to have years of therapy to get over some shit like this. Oh, yeah, this is a, a therapist's dream for kind of clients that you're going to have coming in. <laughs> uh, if only Killer Donuts were a real thing. <laughs> but I think that's also funny that... Uh, we're, it's funny that Howard, finally, after all this time, uh, actually reveals that he banged Johnny's mom. And even the donuts pause and react to it. <laughs> I love, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it was such, such a great moment. Like the this world just stands still. You can almost just hear the screeching of the audio as it stops. It just like sucks the air right out of the room. No pun intended. And we all know, like. Everyone knows that, you know, Johnny has an idea this is happening. The the girlfriend has an idea this is happening. But just to hear the words out loud are just more than he can handle. Right. So that's when um, I think that we have one of my favorite lines is we're, we're about to become snacks for the freaking snacks. <laughs> you know, and they're just like realizing <laughs> they're about they're about to die. So. Johnny comes up with a plan to uh, turn on the gas main, light, light a few, you know, light a fuse and everything, and he's going to blow the place up. But they, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a plan that would really work. It's not a great plan, but I mean, it does work technically, right? Yeah, I think it does. Um, you know, we'll talk about kind of the tacked on ending. But yeah, I'd say for the most part, it is it's successful in blowing up all the donuts in the donut shop. Yes. And, you know, I mean, once we get we do get a really good explosion, I think that's part of where the big part of the budget went, because when he lights, you know, the the gas main and he makes a running jump for it, you don't really see where he goes or what happens to him and Michelle. But the building blows up and it's a pretty spectacular explosion for such a low budget film. And, you know, the you get the idea that they went down to now the finally the rest of the police, the town police show up, all the cops that you know, the our Rogers and Hammerstein had uh, not been calling and not been reporting to and been dodging the entire time, finally show up in time to see Dandy Donuts on fire and Johnny and Michelle climbing up out of the uh, 
the basement out of you know out of their little hiding spot and johnny and michelle finally share a warm little kiss you know a celebratory hey we didn't die in the explosion you know moment another another very strong clerks reference too with the the building burning down and the the kind of kiss outside yeah yeah it's it's really good but then you know we, we get a shot that pretty much is the same as how the movie opened. Johnny laying in bed, asleep, uh, but Michelle is there with him. So you get the kind of the idea that they're finally a couple now, as they probably should have been the entire time. I don't know if they should have been a couple, but it kind of warmed my heart that at the end, he, him and her got together. Yeah, you know, it took a every, long conversation for them to get there, though, in bed. Yeah. To figure that out. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like this little bit of of attack, not, like it could have ended with them kissing amongst the rubble and the flames and the smoke, and it could have ended there. But they had to have this little tacked on ending to kind of show that, yes, they did become a couple. You know, yes, they're going to be to, you know, live happily ever after kind of moment. But it, it just felt very tacked on, you know, a little extra that yeah, it just that didn't quite need it. Yeah, it didn't need it there. But, you know, they also just... <laughs> discuss that Howard lived through the explosion, but he lost one of his testicles. And I think it's like, Johnny doesn't feel bad about it since he was banging his, you know, Howard was banging his mom. And I think Michelle makes a reference. Well, he still got, you know, one testicle to give her, give her a good time. with. Oh yeah. Not something that you want to imagine. And while you're laying in bed with your girlfriend. Yeah. Your, your mom banging your best friend who is now minus a testicle from an explosion that you created. You know, yeah. again, you know, he is a therapist wet dream, I think. <laughs> and uh, that is pretty much the gist in the end of our movie. Although, the, as the, you know, Johnny and Michelle are kind of making out, mom walks in to give Johnny hell for not mowing the yard and, and anything. But uh, he's he's uh, working on uh, mowing somebody else's yard at this point, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we have that final shot of, as you see, um, Johnny and Michelle lying there that kind of pans out to the window to that long grass. And we see a donut lurking outside the window in the final shot. Yes. A donut with a bite taken out of it. I, I, I did make a note of that. The final donut that is left is kind of, and, and like the, the little language that they have, that is not really a language, but just the kind of beaker <laughs> kind of, that sounds basically like a beaker meets a, a rabbit squirrel. And it just, it cuts the, <laughs> Cuts to black, and we do get a post-cred scene. We do get a post-cred wink of uh, homeless Jack laying amongst the rubble, still very much alive. So I give him a thumbs up for at least doing that. I love a good post-credit scene. It's not just for Marvel movies anymore, you know. But that is the end of our movie. So we have uh, <laughs> we have went in depth on a move on a movie that I think. <laughs> Probably didn't need it to go in depth on, but we've watched it a couple of times now. And I think my viewing on it, uh, my rating on it has gone up since our f- first viewing. Oh, nice. But um, would you like to go first with your f- final thoughts and uh, rating on a scale from 1 to 10, hun? Sure. So um, I, I love this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously, which I think a movie like this, um, it, it just needs to embrace the ridiculousness that it is. It had a ton of great homages. You know, um, Cam and I are both big Kevin Smith fans. We're both Friday the 13th fans. Um, and so to 
pick up on all of those little winks and nods that they had to those movies. I, it was was really fun. Um, it, I I like the the relationships that were in the movie. I like the characters. Um, you know, sometimes movies like this, they're they're just fodder for whatever the attacker attacking creature is. Um, but these ones really did a, a nice job of making that balance between some character development and having some nice blood and gore. Um, I agree. I think my score went up on it a little bit too. I think I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Nice. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. The the winks and nods to the Friday the 13th and uh, the Kevin Smith films, you know, it, it, this movie has a little bit more substance to it than the title leads on. You know, with the title like Attack of the Killer Donuts, you don't really think that there's going to be any kind of character development and any kind of relationship type stuff in it. But it, it goes, it, it's not a deep, deep film. But it goes deeper than most. Uh, most movies of, the, um, of this kind of ilk with this kind of title and kind of premise. Um, I like the, the the mix of practical special effects with uh, donut chucking and uh, CGI donuts. I appreciated uh, some of the winks and nods to the, the Alien franchise, you know. And the fact that the donuts weren't just, you know, these little things that just ate people and, you know, and the, and the people were just fodder for the donuts. I, I like the fact that there was different kinds of ways they could kill you. They could kill you by, by ingesting them and then bleeding out, you know, they could spew their stuff on you and, and dissolve you. They could eat you. They could, you know, there was just different ways. Uh, they got very creative with it. And on this viewing, my rating did go up. I think I originally was at a six. I will go ahead a full blown seven on this one. Oh yeah. Now, like I said, coming in just a little bit, just a half a notch lower than you. But now we get into the uh, the kind of the second portion of our show, the second rating. Now, here at Creature Feature Dinner Theater, we also either make a themed drink or a themed dinner. So far, we've done just drinks, but we did a themed drink with this. Uh, with this film. Now, I'm not sure exactly what we called it because my, uh, my lovely wife made it, but it's basically a, a, a donut shot, if I'm correct, but we we also rate the drink of which we created for this. And it was a very, very sweet concoction, but I'll let, I'll let you describe it, honey, since you put it together. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we just called it uh, Attack of the Raspberry Donut. Um, as a, a shot, um, it was uh, a shot glass with some sugar on the rim um, filled with half rum chata and half raspberry liqueur. Um, yeah, and so overall, mm. I, I think the, the shot itself, the taste was really good. For me, the consistency was a bit of an issue because um, the rum chata was just kind of more thick and milky like it's supposed to be. Um, but for me, it just having those two different consistencies um, was a bit weird. Um, and especially the the drink was meant to be made as kind of a layered shot as opposed to mixed together. And so there was kind of two distinct layers that were built into it. And what, what did you rate the, the drink on a scale from one to ten? I gave it a five. So good for taste, but the consistency really brought it down for me. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm with you 100% on, I think yesterday when we when we had the shot and watched the film, I might have given the uh, 
the the shot a six but i'm gonna i'm probably gonna lower it down to a five now that i've had some time to mull it over like the taste wise it was great i i love i'm a sucker for anything like raspberry flavored and i love donuts and it tasted pretty much like a raspberry donut you know it was very much spot on with taste but the consistency was just yeah it left something to be desired the consistency was just a little unnerving you know but yeah the, this is the one instance where the movie came in higher than the drink did but yeah our Ra- attack of the killer raspberry donut uh you you can make this drink very simply with some sugar, some raspberry liqueur, and some ranchata if you want to make it. I'd still recommend it to try it once, just like the movie. It might not be something that you're going to go to all the time. But, you know, if you want something with a, you know, good little flavor and a, a nice little sweet kick, I'd recommend it. You know, I, I, I couldn't recommend it for everybody, but I could definitely recommend it for the rest of y'all. Now, I also want to make one note here that uh we i didn't touch base on while we were reviewing the movie but uh i did have as my final note was the theme song the attack of the killer donuts theme song as performed Mm -hmm. by the sung hosts very very neat song uh they also did another song for the movie called the bb gun which is they're both very catchy tunes they're very kind of fun pop punk uh so if you can uh Look them, look for them. They got a bunch of stuff on YouTube, and you can uh, get their CDs. I've listened to a little bit of their music, and again, it's fun. Uh, look them up on Spotify if you can. They got their own channel, uh, which I've listened to a little bit here uh, yesterday. You know, a good little band, so I could definitely recommend them. Well, honey. Uh, I think we have exhausted all the resources we possibly could on Attack of the Killer Donuts. I'm not sure which film we'll do next, but you can sure it's going to be uh, it's going to be something interesting. We de- definitely don't pick uh, boring films here to, to cover on uh, Creature Feature Dinner Theater. I don't think it may not be boring. It may not be good, but it might it will definitely not be boring. Yeah. Yeah, it's not boring. May not like be great. It might not be highbrow entertainment. Definitely not highbrow, but you know, doesn't need to be highbrow to be good. Sometimes all you need is an alcoholic beverage, some popcorn, and a good time. Absolutely. Alrighty, folks. Well, you have been listening to Cinema Degenerations Creature Feature Dinner Theater. Stay tuned, and we'll be bringing you more killer, tasty donut goodness. He's alive. Hey, hey, are you all right? What the? What the hell? That's disgusting. He's wearing handcuffs. Maybe that's the guy that Rogers and Hammerstein arrested earlier. That doesn't look right. You think? Is he a zombie? What kind of question is that?
You ain't kidding. <laughs>